of, of Wes, who lives in West Virginia now. What a delight to have you with us this morning. We really are enjoying um, one of the silver linings of this uh, more difficult time is that our folks who are far afield are, um, are able to join us more easily. Hi to Alice, who's in London, where it's 2.30 uh, in the afternoon. Wow. How did the day work out, Alice? We all want to know how this day went. <laughs> you can give us the, uh, the scoop ahead of time. I think we are still working on getting that Facebook live stream. The day's going fine. Oh, thanks. So folks just, um, yep. Oh, perfect. People are on and I'm saying, remember if you, um, if you want everybody to see your chat, go ahead and select panelists and attendees. If you select just panelists, it'll just go to those of us who are um, in charge of making platform happen today. And we're happy to get your message. If you want to share it with everybody, you want to pick all panelists and attendees. We've got a hi from Minneapolis. Great to see you. So, so far I've counted, let's see, Chicago, um, Minneapolis, London. It looks like people are having a little trouble finding us this morning, though you all did well. West Virginia, El Paso. Awesome. Oh, this is great. Um, so bear with us. Uh, we aren't st starting right on time. We're going to take just a couple more minutes. Um, I'm trying to track here sort of some of the challenge that people are having. We've got some folks having trouble getting on. Folks joining from Silver Spring, from Western Massachusetts. Awesome. Perry Sedman. Good morning, Perry. All right, great. Folks are starting to get in now. Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and get going. Um, we The tiny URL in the West blog wasn't working. Yep. Um, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't quite understand um, what's going on with Facebook. Um, so we will just post the recording to Facebook as soon as possible. Hey, Santa Fe. Hey, Seattle. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, before I start, just want to honor and notice this amazing roll call this morning. Folks from Seattle, Santa Fe, Massachusetts, West Virginia, El Paso, Chicago, London, um, what, uh, what an incredible joy to get to be all together, Minneapolis, uh, this morning. I would like to um, start now and, um, and to share with you some opening words this morning. Our theme this month, of May is thresholds. And this poem is called Threshold by Maggie Smith. You want a door you can be on both sides of at once. 
you want to be on both sides of here and there now and then together and what did we call the life we would wish back the old life the before alone but any open space may be a threshold an arch of entering and leaving crossing a field wading through nothing but timothy grass imagine yourself passing from and into passing through doorway after doorway after doorway with those words of threshold in our minds i'm delighted to have leah morris with us this morning to share our opening song and as always the music is best when we make it together so please sing wherever you are we are going heaven knows where we are going but we'll know we're there we are going heaven knows where we are going we'll know we're there we will get there heaven knows how we will Thank you.
Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Brian Fashigan, and my pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I'm feeling so grateful for the ways that technology is allowing us to be together in new ways, and later we will share more ways we can continue to be together in the coming week. I invite you to say hello in the comments as you're arriving with us this morning, and we hope that you'll join us after the platform service for coffee hour in a Zoom meeting where we can see each other's faces and talk. You're invited to share in the chat throughout the, our time together this morning. Right now, I encourage you to take a breath and then take another. I hope you have a cup of tea or coffee there at home, that you're nice and comfortable on your couch, and that you're ready to be fully present for this morning's time together. Each week, we honor um, a group at WES whose activities relate to our monthly themes. This month, the theme is thresholds. In keeping with the theme, I invite Chris Chafe of our welcome team to read our statement of purpose. We look forward to the day when the welcome team will once again be able to extend their arms, their warm greetings as we cross into the threshold to enter the West meeting house. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about the welcome team, Sean Evans would be delighted to talk with you. I invite you now to listen to our statement of purpose. Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each other's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Chris. I feel very welcomed just here at home, so thank you. I invite you all now to join me in reading the candle lighting words at home. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of the death of Ahmad Aubrey. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Today, 
we celebrate and honor Mother's Day and all the many things that means for those of us who are mothers, for those of us who have mothers, for those of us who have lost our mothers. I invite you into a time of meditation this morning. Take a breath, if you will. Let it out. Bring yourself into this moment. Settle yourself in your seat. Close your eyes if you would like. Allow yourself to be just here. Now. This Mother's Day, these words from Linda Susan Ulrich resonate for me. For all the mothers and mother figures, the grandmothers, aunts, and extended family members who mother, the soon-to-be mothers the wish they were mothers, the never wanted to be mothers, the it's complicated mothers. The birth mothers, foster mothers, adoptive mothers, stepmothers, the used to be dad mothers and the more than one mom mothers, the single mothers, separated mothers, stay at home mothers, unhoused mothers. The grieving mothers, those who grieve their mothers, and those whose grief is complex. For all the communities that mother, you are held, you are loved. For all the communities that mother, Take a moment in the silence, in the space of your own home, to feel the connection to each other, to the mothers and the children in your life, to this community that mothers to all the world.
This old world can do me no harm when I'm resting in her bosom. Nobody can touch me. All the world is old and new. When I'm walking with no shoes and her precious melodies are so true and so sweet, I will. Yeah, thank you so much for that beautiful piece. I think especially for, um, for those of us who may be missing our mothers, whether we have lost them years ago or whether we simply cannot be with them this year, um, those words are particularly poignant. That was uh, one of Leah's originals. I believe the next two pieces that she'll be sharing with us uh, this morning are also her original pieces. And um, it's, it's always a gift to me to hear Leah's interpretation of a piece I knew. And it is also a gift to hear your uh, own words and music shared with us. So thank you so much for being with us, Leah. Well, this uh, platform is titled A Family System, Not a Family. I am referring to congregations, to the way in which congregations are family systems and not exactly families, though they are often referred to as families. It felt appropriate, particularly on this Mother's Day, as we think about families, our own and others, to dig in a little bit to that idea, that metaphor of the congregation as family, and then, of course, 
I could not give up another opportunity to get to talk about family systems. As I look ahead to about seven more weeks of full-time service to Wes, I am feeling very much those one more chance experiences. The meetings I have begin to turn toward how I can equip lay leaders for the transition. And I think about all the things I want to make sure to fit in before I go. So yes, there will be, thanks to some talented West folks, a Zoom talent show. And yes, there will be a Harry Potter day with a costume contest because I just want there to be in these last weeks together. And I promise that we aren't only going to be talking about the transition for the next seven weeks. That would get boring indeed. But I did want to take some time today to think about what it is that we are experiencing together. What it means for us to close the relationship that we have had. Me and you personally as clergy and congregant and me and Wes corporately as clergy and congregation. I have been preparing for this goodbye since the first day I began serving you. Every clergy person does. When I was in seminary, one of the things I learned was the way that a congregation, a congregation that I served would never be mine. Not really. It couldn't, it shouldn't belong to me. In fact, I even try to be careful to say not my congregation as though I own it somehow, the way that you do, but rather the congregation that I serve. One of the reasons for that is that in healthy congregant clergy relationships, the clergy person should never have their needs met by the congregation. In fact, that's a shortcut test as to whether clergy behavior is appropriate. But really, it's also for this moment, for the goodbye that we are experiencing together. This congregation was never mine, though it has been my great privilege to serve you. Of course, just because it was never mine and just because I thought I was preparing for this from the very first day I began my service to Wes, it doesn't mean I'm not feeling a loss. If you have been on any of the Zoom calls for what really ought to be random, pretty regular meetings where I tear up when it's time to push the leave meeting button, you know that I am feeling that loss. And I know some of you are feeling that leave taking as a loss as well. I continue to be grateful for those of you who have reached out to process that with me. And we'll talk a little bit more this morning about what that processing can do or mean for us. In fact, the leave taking of a clergy person can feel a little bit like a breakup, but hidden in that feeling is, I think, a challenging understanding of the clergy congregation relationship 
tied up in that misconception of a congregation as a family, not a family system. And so I'm hoping to pick that apart a little bit for us today. The truth is that the language of marriage is actually used rather frequently when talking about the relationship between a clergy person and the congregation that they serve. It's used in the search process even, talking about the, the match that is found between them. And some note that it goes all the way back to early Christian roots. Think about nuns being brides of Christ. The marriage metaphor, though, is wrong, I believe, or at least less helpful for a few reasons. My husband, Peter, for instance, would be pleased to note that I am married to him and not to an institution. And then, too, marriage is hoped for to exist eternally, till death do us part, the vows say. And at least in our Western understanding of marriage, an end to a marriage is often seen as a failure of some kind. Insert long other piece about how much more complicated life is than that, but for the sake of exploring the metaphor. For me though, the most important reason that marriage isn't the right metaphor for the clergy and congregant relationship is that marriage exists for its own sake. Marriage is about the relationship between the partners. They're flourishing together, the family or household or life they create together. It is for them. Years ago, I heard a colleague, Teresa Cooley, speaking at the installation of a minister serving a congregation. The big ceremony where the congregation welcomes a new clergy person and honors all that they will be for them and the relationship between the clergy and congregant. Teresa talked at this ceremony, which was full of love and hope and joy, about that metaphor and the problems found in it. And her words have stuck with me ever since. What she explained so well is that while marriage is for its own sake, for the people in that marriage, a, a ministry, a congregant and clergy relationship is for the mission that they serve together. Not for the relationship's own sake, but for what that relationship might do in the world. And that distinction to me feels especially important now. Wes is going to continue to serve its wonderful mission and in many ways, I will continue to serve it too. One of the things that I am particularly grateful for is that I will be able to bring ethical culture with me as I go into a Unitarian Universalist congregation. I won't stop being an ethical culture leader because I'm not serving Wes anymore. And I'll have the opportunity to bring to this whole new group of folks the beauty that I have found in our movement. 
and more broadly, the mission in general of creating a world of joy and beauty, a world of justice. That mission will continue at West and it will continue in my vocation and it will continue for years for both of us, played out in different ways, but no more important than how it was played out when we were together. You will be serving that mission with a new person, a new clergy leader. And that is one sure way that I can tell this isn't a breakup. Because let's be honest, on some little tiny, not very flattering level, we all, or maybe it's just me, really hope that our exes might never be quite as happy as they were with us. Of course, we do wish them happiness, but I know this isn't a breakup because what I want most in the world is to know that Wes has found someone amazing, that you have bonded with someone new and that you and that new clergy person are serving the mission in beautiful and wonderful and previously unimagined ways. Now, about that new person. I have heard from some folks a version of, we'll never find someone like you. And I did want to make sure that people understood how unique and irreplaceable humanity works. You will definitely not find someone like me because there is no one like me, just as there is no one like you either. You will find someone different than me. That is a given. That's DNA. Now, sometimes I think, and sometimes I know because they tell me, what people really mean is not, we won't find your exact identical replica, but rather that they think I have big shoes to fill. I wanna note and hold space for those of you who are really hoping that Wes doesn't find my identical replica or even someone at all like me who are thinking that it was more than time for me to move on. This community can hold a spectrum of response and feeling around that. That's okay. But for those of you who are in the big shoes camp, well, I think what I want to say is that the point of the interim is to clear out the shoe closet. I am reminded of something that my longtime coach who works primarily in family systems told me years ago. He was a Catholic priest before he left the priesthood and went into consulting. And um, at one point, he was leaving a church that he had been serving for really, I think it was 20 years, a long time. He knew who was coming in after him because the way that Catholics do it, the priest had just been selected and deposited at the church. And so on his final sermon to his congregation, he leaned over the pulpit, so he told me the story, or at least so I remember it, 
he leaned over the pulpit and said, I know the guy who's coming in after me, and he is not as good as I am at some things, and he is better than I am at some things. Knowing my coach, he probably gave a longer pause after not as good as I am, a really good long pause so that the congregation could gasp in horror. That story, too, has stuck with me, and it will surely be true of the interim leader and then after that of your next senior leader though that person will have the advantage of being compared to two clergy in recent memory. The next folks who serve you will be not as good as I am at some things, and they will surely be better than I am at some things. They will be different. Believe me, I know that the shoes of all the clergy that have served a congregation do tend to pile up in the closet. Twelve years in, I am still sometimes asked to fit my feet into ones that really aren't my size. And that's okay, too, to have a pile of shoes that you occasionally try to jam on someone else's foot. That's what it means to be in a family system. So now, how is any of this related to anything outside congregational life? Well, a congregation may be a family system and not actually a family. But an actual family is both a family, which ends up sounding somewhat circular, and also a family system. So all of the things that happen with our clergy person in a congregation or with each other as congregants, those things also happen in our actual families. The ways in which we try to make our relatives, our parents, our mothers, ourselves fit into shoes that don't really fit them. The way we process change in the family the way we're able to allow people their own journey, the way we welcome new family members in. Those are all things that happen in every family system, in actual families, in congregations, in workplaces, even in countries. Systems have cultures of how they process all of that. Each one of us was raised in a different family culture. And when we gather in a congregation, we bring all of that with us, the family culture of our life at home, the family culture of the life we have created, all often unawares to the system we are building together as a congregation. Sometimes when there's congregational conflict, I think we would do best by beginning the meeting with every person telling their life story, sharing about the bullying they experienced at eight or the way their mother taught them to fight back or the way their father didn't pay enough attention to them. And only then start the work of talking about what is happening right now. 
that would make for an awfully long membership meeting. But we would come into that meeting with a full awareness of who we are, the systems and the cultures we bring with us into the system and the culture we are creating together. Our experiences in any one part of our lives influences our experiences in any other part of our lives. I sometimes say that that's what I love about family systems work. It's the ultimate multitasking. You can do work in one relationship that you have access to that's easier or just less fraught and your work in that part of your life will improve your work in another relationship even if you never talk to that person because ultimately what you're doing is building your own capacity to be in relationship. Because of that, how you may be experiencing or processing the grief of me leaving, if you're feeling grief or whatever feeling you are having, betrayal, abandonment, detachment, anger, how you are experiencing it may well be connected to how you've processed other relationships that have ended in your life or just other relationships. And the good news is that you get to practice on me. You get to multitask your relationship work, your capacity building in this moment and this relationship. People often come to a congregation, whether they are aware of it or not, in part to build secure bonds of attachment. We think about the importance of building those bonds in early childhood, especially. And many of us might know about the challenges that children can experience if they aren't able to form those early secure attachment bonds because of gaps in caregiving or caregivers who are unable to uh, form those bonds healthfully with them. The truth is though, that even if we did form secure bonds in childhood, we are always building our capacity for secure attachment bonds. And coming to a congregation can offer that opportunity, both with other members of the congregation and also too with the clergy person. By building a healthy bond with a clergy person, one that acknowledges an awareness of the power dynamics or how the clergy person is neither your therapist nor your friend, but rather occupies a beautiful, in my opinion, third space. That kind of bond is a gift to both the clergy person and the congregant. And I have been so deeply lucky to build, I hope with many of you, a bond of that kind. And so ending that relationship well, with time and thoughtfulness and care and transparency, that can be a gift too. Being able to take a secure, healthful attachment bond to process what it means for it to end, that particular kind of relationship, can enable you to build another one just as good or even better. 
not just the same because of that DNA thing. And also because we all walk through each other's lives together at different times. But perhaps just as good or even stronger. How we take our leave and how we welcome people in, those are part of every family system. New coworkers coming into an office, new in-laws or children coming into a family. How we do that goodbye and that welcome is important. And we get a big practice opportunity right now. The summer before I went to college was the summer I broke the rules. Not a whole lot of them. Honestly, I still think I was a pretty great teenager, if you ask me. But still, by the end of the summer, my mother, who, as many of you know, is a developmental psychologist, shared some of her wisdom, always appreciated by teenagers. She said, well, Amanda, you've certainly done a good job of making it possible for us to say goodbye to you. She was ready by the end of the summer for me to head off and her psychologist hat on. She knew that part of what was happening that summer was I was letting her be ready and letting myself be ready. I sort of hope that we don't feel that, the congregation and I, by the end of June. It's one way to go, I suppose. And maybe you'll feel some of that in this time annoyance with me or anger or just a dawning awareness of the things that will be possible without me that for whatever reason couldn't happen while I was here. That's okay. But I think the biggest practice we are offered now is to be present to the going away, to honor the importance of the relationship to know that we will miss the child when he leaves for college or the grandmother when she dies or the boyfriend when they break up. To know that every transition does fundamentally change the family system, whether a family or a congregation. And that in honoring that loss and that goodbye, that change, we make ourselves ready for the next person to enter the system, the next family member or the next congregant, the next clergy person, the new immigrant, to keep our systems supple and adaptable, to learn our patterns of anxiety so often present during both goodbyes and hellos. When the family gets sad and where it acts out, when Uncle Dan raises the same worry he always raises and Aunt Lily tries to fix it all with potato salad the way she always does and Grandma May storms out the way she always storms out. The regular patterns of family life, of family system life in any system. That's right, we have the opportunity to notice. 
that's what we do when something difficult happens, when change rears its head. That's what I do or you do. In any family system disruption, we have a particular opportunity to notice the patterns and greet them for what they are, elements of our system, and to move through the anxiety and build our strength as a system, build our own capacity for change so that our own families, the real families, can be healthy and do what they are meant to do, to exist for their own sake and for the people in them, for the love that they share. And so that the family system that is the congregation can be healthy and do what it is meant to do, living out its mission in the world. I have known I needed to prepare for this moment since the very first day I came to serve you. They told me that in seminary. They warned me that it would be hard. And they were right. I hope that as we say goodbye together these coming weeks, that we do so knowing that our goodbyes, though they may feel difficult, also add strength and suppleness to the system. Add the capacity to change and grow. Continue to build Wes's legacy of risk-taking and innovation, of adventure and possibility. the clergy person and the congregation, that match is about how they live the mission together. These weeks, I think, can be one more way for us to live that mission, to build the system's health, to honor all we have done, and to prepare each of us for all we will do. Let's go into these weeks with that in mind. And I'll still be crying every time I click leave meeting. So when I received the, the information from Amanda, I did what I always do, which is put her ideas into my infinite Rolodex of songs. And I couldn't, um, I didn't find a song that really matched what I felt and thought about the moment. But what I did was hone in on the parallel between this experience that Wes is going through and the fact that my 20-year-old was planning to move out this spring. And in fact, my 20-year-old has been yearning to move out since she was 12. 
So um, uh, it's kind of, I guess, the same way as in seminary. They Nobody has to tell you when you have a child that at some point you're going to release them into the world and, and hope you've done your best. So um, know you've done your best, in fact. Um, so this is a song, I guess, that was born in that parallel between those experiences. It's called Bound, and it's very much for this moment. What are we to each other? Are we friends or something more? Even before I knew you, we were bound and that's for sure. Bound to sail, bound to sink, you were bound to swim away one day. You are a bright reflection of the best that I can be. Not because of our likenesses and the things you've learned from me. Were taught to me when you talked to me And when you walked away Some days Always Bound we are Bound we are We are, we are ever bound I never try to hold you Try to keep you in one place I'd rather stand back and watch your life Unfold with perfect grace With perfect timing and perfect love Let you be perfectly free As perfect as you and I will never be Though bound I'd invite you to sing that with me. We are, we are ever bound. 
we are For all of us, we make sure to time to make to take time to add our own thoughts and reflections of the morning, sharing our thoughts on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. I invite you now to consider how patterns have influenced your own life, and I encourage you to take a moment and share your thoughts with one another in the Zoom chat or if you're joining us on Facebook in the Facebook comments seen many wonderful comments along the platform this morning as well. And I also um, invite everyone to enjoy the moment and also think about sharing some of those comments with each other during coffee hour after the platform. Just as we share our own perspectives in this community, so do, do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we give half of all donated cash to a program that resonates with our own ethical culture principles. For this month, we are supporting the Washington Interfaith Network. It's a congregation-based community organizing body made up of churches, synagogues, mosques, neighborhood associations, and an ethical society, that's us, in Washington, D.C. They work together on issues that matter most to the residents of D.C. If you'd like to get involved, please see Amanda. They're working right now on how to respond to the effects of COVID on D.C.'s most vulnerable residents. There are several ways to give this morning. You're welcome to go to our website at theethicalsociety.org. Excuse me, ethicalsociety.org. On the top right side of the screen is a link that says give. Or you can give by text, by texting the number amount you would like to give um, on the number on the screen. We will now receive your gifts and the musicians' gifts of music. Continue to receive. So um, to clarify, the first original that I sang was for the mama we all have in common. Your mama, my mama, everybody's mama. And this is a song that's very specifically written for and inspired by my mother. Until you get home And she would say not to stay out 
spot trouble coming for a mile. Just keep stepping soon as you know that you will be all, all right. If you just listen to me, I've been around a while. You can believe your mama children get um, to that move out age, which um, I think that's in like 30 or 40 years, right? Um, probably uh, that that song is going to be coming back for me. So um, thank you so much for, um, for singing that for us today. And thank you all for being with us. It has been such a pleasure. I have appreciated um, kind of scrolling back and reading some of what you have been reflecting on. Uh, over the course of this platform and the opportunities to continue to connect with all of you. We have some opportunities for that coming up this week. And as we move toward the end, you'll see a screen with some of that. So I'll, I'll tell you more later. I do want to note that next Sunday is our spring festival. We are um, combining it with Founders Day this year and celebrating both the roots that have nurtured us and what we have grown together here at WES over so many years and also what we are planting. And we envision that Spring Festival as a multi-generational celebration and we are working on it in as many ways as possible to bring your faces and your beauty and your participation in. So my big ask is that you send us, you can send it to me, you can send it to Robin, um, a picture of yourself with flowers. Um, so run outside, grab a selfie of yourself, your family, put your dog in there um, with flowers and uh, send it over. We're going to create a slideshow so we can see each other's faces. Um, 
If you are new to us, uh, to this community, we definitely have folks who are joining us for the first time online. We hope that you will get in touch with Maceo Thomas, our wonderful membership coordinator. Um, you can fill out a connect card um, that's going up in the chat now at tiny.cc slash westconnects. You can also write directly to Maceo at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. He is eager to get to know you. So we hope that you'll participate in that Spring Festival. There's gonna, there was an email last week, there'll be another next week about other ways that you can participate. But for sure, send us your flower selfies. And now, because it is a Teacher Appreciation Week that we have been um, coming out of this past week, it's been Nurse Appreciation Week as well, and I know many of us are holding nurses in our hearts. I was able to deliver some cards to nurses at Holy Cross and at Unity Healthcare, where two West members work at each of those places made by our Sikh children and families. Um, and this week has also been Teacher Appreciation Week. So I have been thinking very much about our amazing Sikh teachers, about Indara, our Sikh assistant, who has been with us at West for so many years and has been an incredible uh, part of our, um, of our program, um, leading and supporting our teachers as well as caring for our little ones. Andrea Perry Lerner, who served as our SEEK consultant this year, the whole SEEK team whose names you see on the slide, and also the Director of Lifelong Learning Hiring Team, which includes SEEK team members and members of the broader community. They are doing great work right now as we move through that process, and we hope to be able to share some updates with you um, as we go along in the next few weeks. Um, but I am just really, really grateful for all of our teachers. If you have had a child in the SEEK program, take a moment today to send them a quick note. Let them know what it's meant to you to have um, that, those teachers caring for your kids. And um, feel free to send a note to Indara as well. She's at indaram at ethicalsociety.org, um, who has been such a wonderful caregiver for so many of our little ones and supported so many teachers. Thank you all to our amazing SEEK team. And now I want to invite us into our closing song for the month. Oh, yep, Zoom check-ins. Thanks so much. Um, uh, Monday and Friday, we have uh, check-ins for adults with Maceo. Wednesday, there's a space open for people to check in. It's not staffed, but there is a Zoom space open. You can find that and everything on the calendar. Wednesday at four, um, either Indara or I um, generally staffs the kid check-in. Uh, you can see everything that we're doing on our website calendar and links are always on the website calendar as well as when possible dial-in information. If you want to call in to anything, you're welcome to do that as well. Now I believe we are singing our closing song together. This song was sung so beautifully last week by Hunter and Mirka and we will get to enjoy their rendition again later this month, but uh, this morning, Leah is going to bring her interpretation of the song to us. And if it happens this afternoon at three, you're looking for something fun to do by yourself, or with your family, stop by my Facebook page and check out this concert that I am giving with some friends of mine, just a, again, in honor of a beautiful day.
Um, thank you, Wes, as always. Thank you, Amanda, for thinking of me to be part of this morning. Very especially special um, time together. And uh, yeah, please sing wherever you are. Come go with me to that land. Come go with me to that land. Come go with me to that land.